You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for Food and Stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller. We're going to start off today with a recipe for cellophane noodle salad with roast pork from Smitten Kitchen. When you have over and you're kind of in a people over and you're kind of in a rut, I confess I was looking for yet another spring pasta dish when I ran across this recipe that was anything but what I ever thought I'd make. But like those red shoes, I bought mine in February, mind you, or that soft-spoken guy that is so not your type. I married mine almost two years ago. <laughs> Sometimes what you never predicted is exactly what you need. Thus, last night, I both cooked and ate pork tenderloin for the very first time, but most certainly not the last. I actually supervised the tenderloin after outsourcing it to my husband. Close enough, right? It was so much fun. Picture an actual summer day, and we've been inundated with in the Northeast, and imagine how delicious it would be to end with a light, bright bowl of glassy noodle salad decked out with strips of mahogany charred pork, keeping it on the side of light delight meal inspirations. Pork tenderloin slathered with lime, hoisin, soy, sake, ginger, and garlic sauce. I love you. Guess what else? I bought a mandolin yesterday, maybe also called mandolin. Frankly, I've wanted one forever, but those things are notorious for their fingertip beveling abilities, and <clears throat> I'm not exactly renowned for my reining in my klutziness. Also, they've always seemed pricey, as even the OXO one I set out for yesterday morning ran nearly $70. Alas, I found a lovely little Japanese one for $27.99, and it works like a charm. You should have seen how fast it leveled what would have been an hour's worth of knife skills depriving chopping into piles of colorful matchsticks. Behold the slivered perfection. Behold all my fingers still largely intact. I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Cellophane noodle salad with roast pork. Here's the recipe. This is from Gina Marie Miraglia Eriquez from Gourmet Magazine, June of 2006. Updated notes. I hadn't made this in years, people, but I did so tonight and have a dozen of new notes to add about it. It's such a wonderful recipe, but I think a few things deserve revisiting. Read to the end to find them. There are many, and I didn't want to clog the head notes. This makes 10 first course servings and about four main. For the pork, uh, you'll need one pound of solid piece of boneless pork butt, which is the shoulder, or pork tenderloin, one quarter cup of hoisin sauce, one quarter cup of soy sauce, low sodium is best here, one quarter cup of Chinese rice wine or sake, one tablespoon of finely chopped peeled fresh ginger, one teaspoon of finely chopped garlic, one half teaspoon of salt, see the note below. For the dressing, you'll need three quarters of a cup of seasoned rice vinegar, one half cup of peanut or vegetable oil, three tablespoons of fresh lime juice, three tablespoons of finely grated peeled fresh ginger, one large fresh jalapeno chile, seeded and minced, and for the salad, you'll need eight ounces of very thin bean thread noodles, also known as cellophane, glass, or mung bean noodles. 
three quarters pound of Chinese long beans, that's about one bunch, or green beans trimmed and cut into three inch pieces, one seedless cucumber, usually plastic wrapped about one pound, halved lengthwise and sliced diagonally about an eighth of an inch thick, one bunch of scallions cut into matchsticks, one firm ripe mango peeled, pitted, and thinly sliced, two thin carrots cut into one eighth inch thick matchsticks, one half cup of loosely packed fresh cilantro leaves, one half cup of loosely packed fresh mint leaves, one half cup of loosely packed fresh small basil leaves. You're going to prepare the pork. You're going to cut the pork along the grain into long one and a half to two inch wide strips. Remove and discard any sinew, but do not trim the fat. Transfer the pork to a large sealable plastic bag. Stir together the remaining pork ingredients in a small bowl until combined well. Add to pork and turn to coat, then squeeze bag to eliminate as much air as possible and seal. Marinate the pork, chilled at least four hours, but no longer than 24. Then you're gonna roast the pork. You're going to put your oven rack in the lower third of the oven and preheat the oven to 375 degrees Fahrenheit. Put a half inch of water in a 13 by 9 inch roasting pan and place a metal rack across the top of the pan. The rack should not touch the water. Remove the pork from the marinade, reserving the marinade, and arrange pork strips one inch apart on the rack. Roast in the oven for 15 minutes. Meanwhile, bring marinade to a boil in a one-quart saucepan, then boil one minute. The marinade may look curdled. Remove it from the heat. Brush both sides of the pork with some marinade and roast 10 minutes more. Generously brush both sides of the pork with marinade again and roast, basting two or three times for 10 minutes more. I recommend brushing it as many times as it takes to use the marinade up. You will not regret it. Then you're going to increase your oven temperature to 400 degrees Fahrenheit and roast the pork until the strips are mahogany colored and caramelized on the edges. This will be 10 to 15 minutes more. The pork shoulder will need the most time, tenderloin the least. The total cooking time will be about 50 minutes. Transfer to a cutting board and let stand loosely covered with foil for 10 minutes. Make the dressing while the pork roasts. Blend together all dressing ingredients in a blender until smooth. See the note below about an alternate dressing. Cook the noodles and beans while the pork finishes roasting and soak the noodles in cold water to cover until pliable about 15 minutes. Then drain in a colander. Cut noodles in half with kitchen shears. Then you're going to cook the beans in a 5 to 6 quart pot of boiling salted water uncovered until crisp tender about 4 to 5 minutes. Transfer with a skimmer or slotted spoon to a large bowl of ice and cold water to stop the cooking, reserving the cooking liquid in the pot. Drain beans and pat dry. Return the bean cooking liquid to a boil and then cook the noodles uncovered stirring occasionally until just tender about two minutes. Drain the noodles in the colander and rinse under cold water to stop cooking. Drain the noodles again and then spread out on paper towels and pat dry. Next you assemble the salad.
Cut as much pork as desired for the salad across the grain into one quarter inch thick slices. Toss noodles with one quarter cup of dressing in a bowl. Toss the long beans with two tablespoons of dressing in another bowl. Then arrange the pork, noodles, beans, and remaining salad ingredients on a large platter and drizzle with some of the dressing and serve the remaining dressing on the side. So here are the many notes. First, the pork tenderloin, as I mentioned in 2007, we made this with pork tenderloin rather than the pork shoulder called for and still do. As the cooking time is relatively short and pork shoulder is so fatty, we've been concerned that the fat just won't render off in the amount of time that it's in the oven. Pork tenderloin is gorgeous here. It already comes in about two to 3.5 inch wide strips, but I even enjoy having it lengthwise into two strips that can be cut into small medallions. Perfect for a salad. In the years since I shared this recipe, the USDA has, to the delight of cooks and restauranteurs who've always preferred it this way, reduced the recommended internal cooking temperature of pork from 160 to 145 degrees Fahrenheit, and this markedly improved the texture and flavor of the tenderloin. So here's the meat versus the vegetable volume. While I am all for a vegetable-centric meal and truly prefer meat as the side dish rather than the centerpiece, each time I make this, I think that the recipe would either benefit from double the pork or half the vegetables. Maybe it's just that the pork is that good, so it goes quickly. Even if you're not doubling the pork, the amount of cucumber and green beans seems especially high for a salad of this size. Tweak the amounts to your anticipated tastes, meat heavier or less green beans or the like. And as far as the dressing, it's fine, you know, but in the years since I shared this recipe, I've shared another noodle meat vegetable dish that has a sauce that I prefer as a dressing here. So the dipping sauce from these cold noodles with peanut lime chicken with fish sauce, brown sugar, lime juice, garlic, and chilies is boldly flavored and perfectly balanced. So if those ingredients appeal to you, try it here as the dressing instead. So there's two options. That link is at smittenkitchen.com. As far as salt, taste the hoisin soy sake sauce before adding any additional salt. You may find that you don't need it. I found this even when using low sodium soy sauce, and I predicate this by saying that we probably already like more salt than we should, so pay attention to that one. For summer rolls, I remain convinced that leftovers from this salad would make excellent summer rolls wrapped in eight inch rice paper rounds. Ooh, that sounds really good. As far as doing ahead, um, unsliced pork keeps wrapped in foil and chilled for up to three days or frozen tightly wrapped in plastic wrap and placed in a sealed plastic bag for up to one month. That was a pretty involved recipe, but it does sound really good. Next, we're going to have a recipe for mixed bean salad with tomato and lemon. This is inspired by the pot, it's the spotted pig. You need two medium tomatoes, one half pound of yellow wax beans, ends trimmed and beans halved crosswise, one half pound haricovere or slim green beans, ends trimmed and beans halved crosswise, two to three tablespoons of olive oil, two cloves of garlic minced, pinch of red pepper flakes, glug of white wine, 
salt and pepper, juice of one lemon. You're going to bring a medium large pot of salted water to boil and then carefully lower the two tomatoes in with a spotted, slotted spoon and cook for one minute. Leaving the water boiling while you drop them into the bath of ice water, peel them and then set them aside. Meanwhile, lower the wax beans in the water for two to three minutes until lightly cooked but still firm. Remove them from the boiling water with a large slotted spoon or tongs and plunge them in the ice bath to stop cooking them. Drain them in a colander and then spread them out on a kitchen towel to dry. Repeat this process with a haricot vert, but only cook them for one minute. If you, like me, are in a tiny kitchen and love nothing more than a one-pot dish, dump the water out of the pot, dry it, and heat the olive oil to medium-high. If you love doing dishes, you can complete this step in a large saute pan. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> Once the oil is heated, add the minced garlic and stir it around with a wooden spoon until lightly cooked but not brown for one minute or so. Add a pinch of red pepper flakes and then the two peeled tomatoes that you've set aside. Break them up into chunks with your spoon and simmer this into sauciness for about five minutes. Add a glug of white wine and simmer for one more minute. Dump the drained and dried beans into the tomato sauce and mix it around until combined and heated through. Salt and pepper to taste and put the salad in a serving bowl and squeeze the lemon juice all over it tossing it lightly and eat immediately. Next we're going to have a recipe for peach and creme fraiche pie. This also from Smitten Kitchen. Inadvertently, Martha has become my girl this week as I've been floundering around trying to figure out what to do with my seasonal produce that A. I haven't done before and B. doesn't require any great amount of fussing or work or adherence to recipes. Okay, that last part may be more of a Deb than a Martha thing, but you won't tell her, right? The arugula, potato, and green bean salad was good and well enough for a Wednesday night, but did little to help me turn last week's languishing South Jersey peaches into something better. Who forgets they have almost two pounds of farm peaches in the fridge, guilty as charged. I've already cobblered, baited, dumplinged, and shortcaked this summer with a little extra hand pie thrown in on July 4th, and I wanted something new when Martha swept in, saving the day with a pie that looked so ridiculously simple but curiosity original, curiously original, that it had to be mine. Uh, I mean yours. There are only four things going on here. There's a single pie crust, some streusel, hunks of quartered peaches and creme fraiche, but when they're baked together, the crust becomes a shell that decks your plate with pastry flecks and flakes and the filling bakes itself into something more like a tangy custard and less like a traditionally sweet slumpy pie. This is a peach pie for grown-ups, almost excessively so. I always wish desserts were a little less sweet and still felt this pie would benefit from additional sugar. I present that as an option below in the recipe. But mostly we just loved this. It comes together so quickly and has a richness that most baked fruit desserts lack. It must be all that double cream. And if you already have a pie crust on hand, you will not believe how fast you can churn this out or how fast it might disappear. 
Here's the recipe for peach and creme fraiche pie adapted really loosely from Martha Stewart Living. Uh, half recipe all butter really flaky pie dough chilled for at least an hour in the fridge. For the streusel, you'll need one quarter cup of confectioner's sugar, one quarter teaspoon of baking powder, pinch of salt, three to six tablespoons of all-purpose flour. I needed the latter amount to get this into a crumble. You need one quarter cup of cold unsalted butter, about a half a stick, cut into pieces. And then the filling, one and a half pounds of ripe, that's four to five medium yellow peaches, pitted and quartered, two to four tablespoons of granulated sugar, a pinch of salt, five tablespoons of creme fraiche. To prepare the pie dough, you're going to roll out the pie dough to about one eighth inch thick and fit into a regular, not deep dish pie plate, nine and a half to ten inches in diameter. You're going to trim the edge to one half inch, fold under and crimp as desired. Pierce the bottom of dough all over with a fork and then transfer the, to the freezer for 30 minutes and then preheat the oven to 400 degrees Fahrenheit right before you take it out. So to make the streusel, you need to stir confectioner's sugar, baking powder, salt, and three tablespoons of flour together in a small bowl. Add bits of cold butter and either using a fork, pastry blender, or your fingertips, work them into the flour mixture until it resembles coarse crumbs. Add additional flour as needed. I needed to almost double it to get to the mixture crumbly, but my kitchen is excessively warm and the butter wanted to melt. You're going to set that aside. Then you're going to par-bake the crust. Tightly press a piece of aluminum foil against the frozen pie crust. From here, you ought to fill the shell with pie weights or dried beans, or you can wing it like certain lazy people we know, hoping the foil will be enough to keep the crust shape in place, and then you can bake it for 10 minutes. Then remove carefully the foil and any weights you have used. Press any bubbled up spots in with the back of a spoon and return the crust to the oven for another five to eight minutes or until it's lightly golden. Transfer to a wire rack to cool slightly and then reduce the oven temperature to 375 degrees Fahrenheit. P.S. If you're not overly concerned about soggy bottoms in the words of Julia Child, you can save time by skipping the par baking step. Given the light nature of the filling, odds are good that it would not become excessively damp even without the par bake. So that's on you to give that a call. As far as making the filling, you're going to sprinkle quartered peaches, peaches with sugar. That's two tablespoons will make a just barely sweetened pie, and the other two for still not overly sweet but sweeter pie, and the salt. Let sit for 10 minutes and then spread two tablespoons of creme fraiche in the bottom of a par-baked pie shell. Sprinkle with one-third of the streusel and fan the peach quarters decoratively on top. Dot the remaining three tablespoons of creme fraiche on the peaches and sprinkle with the remaining streusel. Then bake the pie until the creme fraiche is bubbling and the streusel is golden brown, about 50 minutes. Cover the edge of the crust with a strip of foil if it browns too quickly and let it cool on a wire rack at least 15 minutes before serving. I stored this in the fridge and due to the creme fraiche, 
and found that I liked it even better cold with the flavors better married. You can make your own creme fraiche, it is true. You can make your own version of it home, and there's a recipe on smittenkitchen.com. Our next recipe is from a new site called Jar of Lemons. Healthy Sriracha Shredded Chicken Tacos. Healthy Sriracha Shredded Chicken Tacos are here to put a pep in your step on this lovely Wednesday. Delicious, crunchy, wholesome with a hint of Sriracha spicy goodness. A little bit of feta to top it off and we have ourselves a super easy, quick and healthy weeknight meal with these healthy chicken tacos. Scroll down to find out more. So things have been so crazy lately, in a good way, but crazy nonetheless. We're looking for a house, and let's just say that it's been an emotional roller coaster. Read about it more in the Healthy Chicken Fajitos Tacos post. Don't get me wrong, it's so much fun and such an exciting time in life. Definitely don't want to take it for granted. We've learned so much through this process. If you've been through the house hunting process, I'd love to know what your tips would be. My biggest struggle is getting emotionally attached to every house we see. It's like a breakup every time we don't get the house. Don't worry, I'm working on this thing. All that to say, we're super excited about potentially moving soon. If you want to follow along, be sure to follow the journey over my personal Instagram. But moving is crazy, y'all, and I'm finding it's even crazier post-marriage. We have tons of lovely home items that people gave us for our wedding, all our new furniture, my overflowing closet, oops, and <clears throat> my breakfast bowl blog props collection, it might be time to sort through some of this stuff. The good thing is that the packing process will really force me to consider what we use and don't use, which I'm finding to be like 2.5% of everything we have. Okay, so I did not do the math on that, but you get my point. The downside to packing, other than, hello, packing, ugh, is trying to figure out how to continue cooking meals without accidentally packing up the things you need. All that to say, these healthy sriracha shredded chicken tacos are perfect for this season of life. They are so easy to make and delicious. Just bake the sriracha coated chicken for 30 minutes, shred it, chop up some veggies, and put it all on corn tortillas. The best healthy dinner for a crazy season like mine right now. These tacos are similar to the sriracha lime shrimp tacos, but use chicken instead and are a little less hands-on. Also, this is my favorite sriracha for both of these recipes, and these links are at jaroflemons.com. What are your favorite recipes during a crazy busy season, and do you have any house hunting tips? You got a chance to write it on that site. Here's the recipe for healthy sriracha shredded chicken tacos, which are gluten-free. Course, this is for lunch, dinner, or an appetizer. It's Mexican. It takes 30 minutes to cook. It takes 30 minutes total time. Serves six tacos. Calories, it's uh, 128 kilocalories per serving. And the author is Christine McMichael. You need two thinly sliced chicken breasts, two tablespoons of sriracha, six corn tortillas, one cup of chopped red cabbage, one half cup of chopped peppers, one quarter cup of feta cheese, and one lime. Here are the instructions. You're gonna preheat your oven to 375 degrees, then place the chicken breasts on a baking sheet and top with sriracha. Bake for 30 minutes or until they're fully cooked. 
While the chicken is baking, heat the tortillas up. This is optional. Top each tortilla with chopped red cabbage and chopped peppers. When the chicken is finished baking, shred it and place it in the tortillas. Top each taco with feta cheese and a drizzle of lime and enjoy. Thank you for joining us for Food and Stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.